Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Multiverse Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Holtzapp, and with me as always is the ever-so-lovable, loving George Rogers. George, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. He's all right, everybody. That's the end of the show. So uh, That's it. Next, yep. <laughs> next week, we'll, uh, we'll see you for uh, another check-in on how George is doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, apologies for the few uh a couple days late um busy sunday at uh monster mania george i know you worked late last worked later than you expected last night so we decided to do it today hey you know what before we talk about hot fuzz let's fill our listeners into what we did at monster mania on sunday i literally just thought about that um so uh george and i went to monster mania uh, in cherry hill new jersey uh, it is a the annual like horror convention in this area. Uh, it's I would say it's the main one. New Jersey Horror Con is pretty good, but that's that's only been around for a few years. Monster Mania is I mean their fiftieth show is in August. You know what I mean? And they have one in Maryland. Uh, they have they just started doing one out in Oaks, PA. So like Monster Mania is like a staple um, in this region of of you know for horror and stuff like that and it just as a convention itself not just necessarily horror horror sci-fi stuff it's really wrestling wrestlers go there too a lot of times i'm surprised there was actually none there this year um usually there's a you know one or two or something like that but um i guess brutus beefcake was busy (laughs) i hope he's busy digging his own grave but (laughs) um but uh, I, George and I, talk, we were talking about when we were leaving on, on Sunday. And, man, I got to tell you, that was one of the best Monster Manias we've been to, I think. That was a that was a damn good that was a damn good time. And, you know, we only met two people each. You know, it's the same two people. But, um, you know, uh, and it, it was a little crowded for a Sunday. But overall, I think I thought it was great. And, and I told George I had a great time. And it was a good way to really kick off this convention year because Monster Mania really is like the first convention of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I go to more, I would say I probably frequent a little bit more conventions, you know, than than George would um, just because I typically go to New York and I went to Awesome Con last year. I don't know if I'm going to go this year, probably not. But um, George and I, we go to a lot of conventions together. You know, and, uh, you know, Amy, his girlfriend usually joins us and, and her daughter sometimes. Um, George's sister sometimes tags along as well, even though she's quite unwelcome. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, George, would you, would, would you say this? It was a great Sunday. It was a, it was a good time. I mean, we, yeah. you know, it, it was it was a Sunday, so it wasn't as crowded as it usually yeah. gets. Uh, Saturday, I know, it was sold out. It was mm. uh, sure it would have been awful. It, it was a hot ticket for this uh, for the for, for this convention because mm-hmm. uh, had a, many of the cast members of Dexter of the show Dexter, yeah. including the man who plays Dexter himself, Michael C. Hall, which this mm-hmm. was his first ever convention appearance. So that's why like this was in uh, general. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know so, that. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so that's why this was such a uh, so that's why this was such a hot ticket mm-hmm. to to hey I mean Saturday sold out in almost no time. I mean that yeah. dude had. I, I think he had like four different groups for photo ops. Like it was, it, it was uh, like he, he was pretty much in demand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't sure. watch Dexter, so I don't kind of care one way or the other, but yeah. you know, we, we got to meet Jeffrey Combs, which is a guy mm-hmm. that we've been wanting to meet for quite some time. You know, oh, yes. we're, we're both fans of, uh, of reanimator uh, for, mm-hmm. from beyond you know, his work with Stuart Gordon. Um, mm-hmm. 
plus the fighters, fighters. Of course, yeah. Uh, he, he, he was Scarecrow in, in, in March episodes of uh, of Batman, the animated series. So, I mean, he's a he's a legend in the in the horror field, and it was good mm-hmm. to, to finally have met him. And he was such a nice guy, too. Yeah, he was. He, he personalized our autographs and put, uh, you know, we, we it, it was Sunday, so this the pickings were kind of slim on photos for him. So, mm-hmm. so we both got the same pictures from the Frighteners mm-hmm. and he put a different quote um, on mm-hmm. each of our, um, on each, each of our pictures was nice. And, and before that, we met Anthony Michael Hall, who was one of the You know, I'll, I'll put the pictures up on the yeah. Instagram. I'm, if, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I finally caught up and actually put the Obi-Wan pictures from the show up on there. I forgot to do it. So I'll put, I'll put a pictures up on uh on there and, and get a couple hashtags going and see if we get some traction. So, but uh, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, and, and, and Andy Michael Hall was, was also such a nice guy. You know, he was oh, just, yeah. Like you could tell he just loved meeting people. Like, oh, yeah. Every per- you know, we still line. It wasn't a very long line. It didn't mm-hmm. move too quick because he was just having a conversation mm-hmm. talk with everybody. You know, like it, it was, it was great. Like you love to see that from these people that mm-hmm. you've seen on screen for so many years. And you kind of forget how much he's been in, too. I mean, there's so much we've seen him in just outside of the Breakfast Club. I mean, he was in Halloween Kills as Tommy Jarvis. Uh, yeah, Tommy Tommy Jarvis. No. No. Tommy Doyle. Tommy, Tommy Doyle. Who's t- Tommy Jarvis is the, is the Friday 13th franchise. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that would be great if they bring him back and he plays Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> that would be great. Um, even though that movie sucked, it was cool to see him in that, you know, and kind of in a more of a – prominent role and he was how long the dead zone going on going for 10 years the dead zone was like i think the dead zone was like six or seven seasons something like that but you know there's yeah. USA shows. You mm-hmm. know, they do like a season you know every year and a half or so yeah I and mean, that was like a point when usa was cranking out new shows like left right mm-hmm. and center sure they were the spot and you know i mean over the years they've kind of dwindled off a little bit now it's just reruns of ncis and svu yeah. um <laughs> but whatever but i mean he i mean he's been all over like, he, like you forget that you know he's lumped in with the brat pack yeah so you automatically you assume breakfast club pretty in pink 16 uh, nah, nah, he wasn't pretty in pink yeah. uh, 16 candles uh weird science mm-hmm. but you, you also forget uh he was winona Ryder's boyfriend in edward scissorhands he was also the main antagonist of that movie too mm-hmm. uh, his role is mike engel the reporter uh in the dark night yeah you know, he, yeah vacation he, he just what's that the first he was the first Rusty Griswold. Yeah, he's the first Rusty Griswold in, mm-hmm. uh, in Vacation, which yeah. which, which uh, is um, predates the the Brad Pack era. So he's, yeah. he he's had a pretty expensive career, and he's not even fifty; he's like forty-seven. Is he really? Wow, good for him. When you figure, I mean, like he was like an actual teenager. Like, yeah. Like, like that would like like they did those movies back in time when you could actually cast teenagers, not people who were in their mid twenties who just looked young, with yeah. the exception of Judd Nelson, who was like twenty six when he did the Breakfast Club. And, I, <laughs> and you got to think about it of of the that entire group of the Breakfast Club, he's one of the ones that's had a pretty steady career too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say at least half of them probably did really nothing after the eighties. Um, you know, him, uh, Rob Lowe, and. Emilio for a bit, but then yeah, he up, like, I, I was going to say Robert Downey Jr., but I don't really think he was really part of that group. Yeah, so he just happened to be in Weird Science. So, but um, I mean, obviously he would have been the biggest star of that group. But you know, you know him and the uh, him and Rob Lowe are really the two ones that really just have been working. I mean, Rob Lowe probably a little bit bigger, 
But Michael Anthony, I did it again. Anthony Michael Hall um, really has had a very solid career for himself. And uh, it was a real pleasure to meet the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In his suit. (laughs) Yeah. He was the only, like, he's the only person I've ever seen at Monster Media wearing a suit. I'm like, he's wearing a suit. Like, he's, like... I think someone should tell him what kind of convention this is. Like, no, you don't. You don't need to wear that. But yeah, hey, whatever. Yeah. He just likes the feeling of a good suit. Good for him. Nice looking suit too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was a great weekend, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh to I'm, I'm oh hey uh yeah we'll talk about that off air. But apparently they announced a uh, guest at noon today. I didn't see who it was though. Um, for the August show. Uh, I'm looking forward to that though. So. But uh, en- enough about that, because uh, we definitely waffled on enough about that. But um, but uh, here we are. Um, hey, we're going to talk about tonight, George. Uh, I'm joining. I'm joining Chris and George on the Hot Tag podcast tonight um, again, and uh, we're going to talk about Scott Hall. Um, and I wanted to just uh, say rest in peace to him. And uh, if you really want to hear what we're going to say about Scott Hall, uh, check out that that show. I-, I would assume Chris will either post it tonight or tomorrow. Um, but, um, uh, just, just want to say rest in peace to him. Absolute legend, real, real shame that he, uh, passed away. Um, and, uh, complications of a hip surgery, uh, call, he, he had three heart attacks during the surgery, but uh, it was caused, I like, think, I think it was during the surgery. I believe there was, there was complications that caused it. I believe, um, shame, real shame. So we'll be, um, We'll be talking about that uh, tonight, and I would say sometime in the next 24 hours, Chris will probably post that, since that's his podcast. And and George is, I, I assume you're officially the co-host of that show. I mean, you're like on every episode now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so definitely check that out. Um, I popped back on um, last week. Was it last week or was it a week before? I can't remember. Um, and then I, I assume I'll be on this week. I don't know if Chris will let me, but fuck him. Um, I'll just show up. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, they, they do a great job if you're a big, bigger wrestling. I mean, Chris has always done a great job on that show and I've always enjoyed, um, doing it. I'm just, you guys are much more in the wrestling now than I am. Um, so check them out, everybody, because they do a fantastic job with, uh, what they do on that, that channel. Um, but, um, you have anything to add? Do you want to get into the review? Uh, I have nothing to add on here. I'm going to send you guys a thing I just found. It's, okay. <laughs> it's great. All right. So uh, everybody, here we are. We're going to talk about Hot Fuzz. Great comedy. Um, I believe uh, this was the second movie that came out, and they called the Three Flavors Cornetto. Um, yeah, or the or the Cornetto trilogy. It's called. Yeah, sometimes that's it's called it. the the Three Flavors. Uh, mm. Either mm. way, but the Three Flavors of Ass. <laughs> uh, it's more commonly known throughout um, throughout that fandom as the Cornetto trilogy. Mm. Um, I've actually not seen The World's End, have you? I have. I saw it in theaters. Is it good? Yeah, I think so. I don't think, one, I don't think it's as good as Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead, but it is, but it's still a very good movie, though. Yeah, I'll have to check it out, because I've never seen it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, we're uh, going to be talking about this today, and, um, let me give you guys, uh, oh, yeah, I saw that, George. <laughs> but, um, uh, did, did you see this in theaters? You know, I here's the thing. I didn't see it in the theaters when it came out. Mm-hmm. I did, however, go with uh, our friend Arden 
to they were doing a, an event where they were showing all three movies of the of the Cornetto trilogy in theaters. Yeah. So they did uh, Shaun of the Dead. They did this and and the World's End, which I think hmm. was actually the opening weekend for the World's End. So it made them, sounds about right, probably. So it may have been part of like a special event, but yeah, I did. Hmm. But I, I saw this in theaters, but not in theaters when it first came out. If that makes sense. Right. Um, I think for me, I didn't see this in theaters, and um, judging by its release date, I'm going to say I probably saw this movie with you uh, in, in in a living room somewhere. <laughs> I would assume that's probably what happened on TV. That um, right. I'm going to assume it was the apartment that you and Eric had. Um, it probably you and me were probably just chilling one day after work, and yeah. you probably watched uh, this. I'm. I'm- I'm probably going to have to backtrack with Eric because I don't remember if we actually did see us in theaters mm-hmm. or if we caught this afterward. I, right. may have to, I may have to cross-reference with him because this was at a time when um, uh, I was doing a lot of drinking. All of us were. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot from the back half of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 2008 was, was literally a party. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 about 2006 to about 2000 to about late 2009 i don't have too much of a memory of yeah there's some stuff there's some stuff but not a lot <laughs> not, not, not enough to piece together anything yeah i just i'm i have i do remember I, i'm just gonna assume that i probably watched this with you one day in your living room after we got done work one day I'm just good because sure. that just makes the most logical sense because I don't think I ever would have just put it on TV in my you know when I was living at my parents' house at 21 years right. old. So, um, but uh, anyway, let's let's get into the stats. Now we're going back to the traditional style uh, review for today, everybody. Um, again, we're gonna we'll play around with that other one some more. Definitely when Chris is on, that'll be more free flow topics. It's just easier with three people, um, but um, maybe some other movies as well. Uh, so. We, we don't have to stick to you know traditional thing, but like some movies and and t- for today we're definitely we're definitely gonna revert back to, um, the traditional style, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. where was I? Oh, here we go. Okay, all right. So uh, Hot Fuzz <clears throat> released uh, February sixteenth, two thousand seven in the UK, April twentieth, two thousand seven in. Uh, the U.S. and then randomly in France on January July eighteenth, two thousand seven, with a budget of sixteen uh, twelve to sixteen million dollars and a box office draw of eighty point seven million dollars. <throat> Directed by Edgar Wright, written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Um, music by David Arnold, the great David Arnold. And uh, I'm going to go down here to this cast because this is this. There's a lot of big names in this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Jim Broadbent, um, Timothy Dalton, Bill Nye. Um, uh, where, where, where I'm, I was just noticed it the other day. Um, who am I looking for here? Some of my phone's blown up too. Uh, Patty uh, Considine. Oh yeah, I know him. Um, but who else? Where? where? This is somebody's name. I can't find it. Paul Freeman, Martin Freeman. Um, yeah, so it's there's a lot of people in here, but I wanted to put out like the big names that are in here. Um, so there, there's some there's just some big acting names right there too. And who would have thought for such a low budget British comedy like this? But then again, yeah, I guess so. 
But uh, all right, George, yeah. take us away. Indeed, I will. I bet you will. I have to scroll. <clears throat> PC Nicholas Angel, a high-achieving Metropolitan Police officer, is promoted to sergeant, but his resentful colleagues arrange for him to be reassigned to the small rural town of Sanford, Gloucestershire, a regular Village of the Year winner. Angel is soon frustrated by the mundanity okay, of the village and his lazy and incompetent colleagues. His, his partner, PC Danny Barterman, whom he arrested earlier for drunken behavior, is a fan of buddy cop movies and the son of Inspector Frank Butterman, Angel Superior. So the movie, it, it kicks off kind of going over Nicholas Angel's uh, accolades and what he's done throughout his career as a uh, as a PC for mm -hmm. London. He's uh, graduated top of his class at the police academy. He's, you know, he's, he's highly proficient in all sorts of uh, weaponry and skills and fighting mm -hmm. styles. He, he's, he's a massive overachiever. He holds an arrest record for London. Um, he, he's, he's basically like a super cop, essentially. You know, yep. he's just really good. He's just a guy who's just really good at his job. But he's too good at his job because he gets promoted and they transfer him to, um, to, you know, in, in, into the rural town of, uh, of Sanford, Gloucestershire, which that's actually a really funny scene in of itself when he's sitting there and they're telling him that he's being transferred. Like when he first talks to Martin Freeman, which is an early appearance of Martin Freeman, we'd eventually yeah. see uh, more often in films because uh, obviously he played in Black Panther. Mm -hmm. He's he's popped up. He, he's popped up in other <clears throat> other Simon. Like he was in The World's End with Simon Pegg he, as well. He's also the he's also the uh, young Bilbo Baggins in the Hobbit trilogy. Yes, yes. I was gonna say I was gonna he he was somebody in the uh, in the in the. Um, Lord of the Rings universe as well. Um, you know, and he just says, you know, he's complaining about being transferred and he's like, oh, well, do you want to, you want to take it higher? It's like, yeah, I'll take it higher. And then, you know, another inspector comes in, which I think was uh, with Steve Coogan. Mm. Another British actor who <clears throat> pops up a lot of things. So it's like, oh, you want, you, 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 you want to take this higher? And then they go for the chief inspector who is Bill Nye. Yeah, who we would, who we've seen previously with these, with Simon Pegg, he played his stepfather, and Shaun of the Dead, mm -hmm. and he also does a voice in The World's End. So he's also in all three of the Cornetto movies. Oh, nice! And he basically tells him, without you know, in in, in no uncertain terms, you're making us all look bad. <clears throat> so we have to get rid of you. Um, and he uh, has a girlfriend. Uh, Nicholas has a, uh, an ex-girlfriend because he put the job ahead of her. And we, we never see her face, but it's Kate Blanchett. Because mm -hmm. all you ever see is her eyes. Even when she gets serious and looks at you, take off her mask, all she does is take off her safety goggles, which really does nothing because they're see-through anyway. Yeah. And also, when you're going through like that little opening segment there, uh, Nicholas is stabbed in the hand by someone dressed as Santa Claus, and it was Peter Jackson. Oh, was it really? <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, so he basically has no life in London anymore, anyway. So, which mm. kind of made the transfer, a, I guess, a little, a little easier for him, according to everybody else. Although he really likes the city life, but you know, he's, which he's obviously, um, he's like a fish out of water. Yeah. World community. He doesn't, you know, there's. There's very little crime. There really is nothing for him to do. You know, when he first shows up, he goes to the local tavern and just 
kicks out a bunch of 16 year olds because they're underage, but they have no problem with them being there because if they're in the bar, then they're not out in the streets making any trouble. And yeah. All for, the, all for the greater good. The greater good, as a <laughs> as I said, quite often in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then we also get our first look at Nick Frost, who's drunk in a bar. And it just seems like he's going to be the same character that he was in Shaun of the Dead, you know. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a, a, a lazy loaf about. But he actually ends up becoming pretty, he's actually a pretty lovable character in this in this movie. Because, I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he's, he's like, and he, he's like us. I mean, he's a massive fan of, mm-hmm. of funny cop action films. Uh, I am as, and you are, it's well documented. Of course. Of course. The franchise and everything surrounding that. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, the, this movie has so many, if, if you're paying attention to them, like you could pick out all the little references to the different action um to the different action franchises throughout this. Like there are little, there are parts throughout the movie here and there where you kind of hear a little bit of that Michael Kamen score that we hear in Die Hard and A Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, the the town doctor, Dr. Hatcher, is played by Stuart Wilson, who was the bad guy in Lethal Weapon 3. Mm-hmm. He was Jack Travis in Lethal Weapon 3. And then later on in the movie, you know, it shows the, uh, the Neighborhood Watch Alliance are talking about how Somebody in the town has decided to name their twins uh, Roger and Martin, which is an obvious reference to Riggs and Myrtle. So it's like little things throughout the movie that that really make this a fun movie to watch and really enjoyable. But I'll keep uh, I'll keep continuing on here. Mm-hmm. Am I still in? Have I? Yeah, no, you're here. Uh, you're here. Okay. Martin Blower and Eve Draper, the two lead actors from an Amdram production which I think means amateur dramatic or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, whom Angel pulled over earlier for speeding, are murdered by a cloaked axe-wielding figure who stages it as a car accident. Angel is the only officer who suspects foul play. Sent to resolve a small dispute, Angel discovers an illegal weapons stash, including an old sea mine, and locks them in the police station. Angel warms to Danny, and they binge-watch action movies at Danny's home. That night, wealthy land developer George Merchant is attacked in his home by the cloaked figure and is killed in a deliberate gla- deliberate gas explosion. So when they pull over um, Martin and Eve, like it makes it almost seems like it's going to start as like a high-speed chase, but they just pull over immediately. And Danny's just blown away by it because this town doesn't do anything like that. He's like, oh, that was intense. And it's it starts off like he's just very boring. He's just doing as regular officers do. You know, he just writes notes and then writes them a ticket and just kind of sends them on their way. Mm-hmm. And Danny thinks it's supposed to, you know, like being a cop is supposed to be all about, you know, action movies. And that's why he asks all the questions. You know, have you ever been in a high speed pursuit? Have you ever been in a high speed pursuit? Yes. Have you ever fired your gun while in a high speed pursuit? No. Have you ever fired one gun while jumping through the air? No. Have you ever fired two guns while jumping through the air? You know, he mm-hmm. asks all these things they see in movies because to Danny, that's what he thinks police life is like. Yeah. But f- fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the production for Romeo and Juliet, which you're kind of led to believe in a way that it's like, oh, they're just doing, you know, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Then it turns out they're doing Rom- William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but it's from the 1996 movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Like, where, where, like they're horrible actors, but then at the end, they're all singing Loveful by Cardigan. And the look on Simon Pegg's face of just pure horror is is hilarious in of itself. 
No, because he probably thought he was seeing some regular production. That's like, oh, nope, it's this version that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and Eve has a, a, a god-awful laugh. And it's clear that they're having an affair, as, mm. as is quite obvious. When they're when they um, when Nicholas and Danny tell the detectives, you know, it's like, it's like oh, they, they were murdered. You should go check people out. It's like oh, he represented everybody in the village. I'm not, not interrupting. I'm not going to interview everybody. And then they're like, oh, it's, it's like how do you know they're having an affair? And then like Danny's like, and then Danny oh, remember what Nicholas said earlier. Sorry, I got a bit of a stutter today. Sure. Um, or it's like, oh, we sat through two hours of so-called acting and the kiss was the only convincing part. And then he like taps Nicholas, but like, hey, I remember what you said and I just said it. And also a little bit to note here that, that the detectives, which are the Andes, because they're both named Andrew, mm-hmm. the one is Patty Constantine, who's uh, a British actor who shows up in a lot of things every now and then. He was in The World's End also. And the other one is Rafe Spall, who is uh, the son of Timothy Spall, who is uh, God, what the hell's his name? The ugly fucker from uh from Harry Potter. Voldemort's uh 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 the the guy who chops his hand off in Goblet of Fire. God, I can't remember his name. I can't even. I, I wasn't he disguised as a uh, as Ron's rat? Where's Chris? He'd know this. He'd need. Oh, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, I want to say Wormtail, but that's not right. That's Brad Dourif in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he, he's Peter Pettigrew. Also, Rafe Spall, I believe, was in um, that bad, the, the the last Jurassic Park movie, Fallen Kingdom. I think you're right. Yeah, he's he, he's popped up. He's been popping up a lot, too. He's been kind of a, like an it guy showing up every now yeah. and then. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And then uh, they, they go to, you know, go see the old guy who's got all the guns, which that's where, that was kind of where I heard a little bit of that, uh, of that Michael Kamen score is when they, is when they, when they think they activate the sea mine mm-hmm. and they run out of the shed and they jump over the, they jump over the hedge because nothing happens. And you can kind of hear a little bit of that, of that lethal weapon score, mm-hmm. which is like, ah, um, but that's all really just, a means to get all the guns in one place for the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I got a problem with it. I love it. Not me. Also, they don't mention it here, but there was also um, uh, there was a a man who was robbing the local supermarket, or, or, or there's a kid who's robbing the local supermarché, which is run by Simon Skinner, the great, mm-hmm. great the Timothy great Dalton. Timothy Dalton. I mean, if, we have the former we have a former Bond actor in this movie and, and the uh, former Bond composer in this movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It's almost like it was meant to be a Bond movie, but not really. Mm-hmm. Although, um, um, Timothy Dalton's really given off some uh, some Neville Saint Clair uh, vibes. Very much so. With that, with that mustache. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Is where you could look it up. I'm not doing all the work for you, listeners. Mm-mm. So I'm sure that movie's coming soon. Uh, it better be mm-hmm. before it gets remade by something much worse. Mm. So after that, they go to the bar. You know, they 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 tie one off. We get a little bit of a of an insight on Nicholas's backstory, where you know he was, you know, he was given like a toy police car 
for well, well not really a toy police car, but you know, when he gets in kind of like pedal uh, a, a pedal car, mm-hmm. a police car that was given to him by by his favorite uncle. That it turned out his uncle was a drug dealer, <laughs> and they they confiscated, never touched the car because it probably bought with drug money. But it kind of got him on the path to where he is to be a police officer and kind of always doing right from wrong. And and Danny was a cop just because his dad was, and he thought, you know, it was just something for him to do. It was yeah. it just like a natural course for him. And then they take uh, George Merchant home because he's drunk and pissing on a uh, <laughs> on a video game, which you've done mm-hmm. several times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. And his house blows up with him inside. That's after Danny and Nicholas go back and they're like, oh, which one do you want? He pulls out Bad Boys 2 and Point Break. He's like, oh, which one do you want to watch first? Or which one do you want to watch? They're like, oh, which one do you think I like? He's like, no, no, no. Which one do you want to watch first? Which that's a good that's a good two pack to watch. I'll Absolutely. Watch Absolutely. I mean, I'm gonna point break. I don't need to you don't tell me. You don't have to tell me. I don't need to. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I did catch the end of the newest Bad Boys movie the other day when I came home. Yeah. Eh. 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 It's all right. Just eh. It's kind of hard to 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 top when the movie before you is Bad Boys too. Mm. I mean, you're that's already an uphill battle. It's true. That boys too is great. <clears throat> Angel suspects that the killings are connected to a recent property deal. A local journalist, Tim Messenger, approaches Nicholas at a village. Well, I'm going to say village fair because I don't know that word. Excuse me. Claiming to have information, but another cloaked figure dislodges a masonry pinnacle atop the church's tower, which falls and crushes Messenger's head, killing him. Uh, that that's put a mile because his head exploded when it hit. Yes, it did. <laughs> and, and I like how that piece stayed inside his body like it smashed his head but then just stayed lodged in there Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Tiller the village florist tells Angel about her plans to sell her land to merchants business partners while Angel retrieves his notebook she's stabbed in the neck with her garden shears Angel gives chase but loses the killer Angel suspects Simon Skinner a sinister supermarket manager that's, that's, a, that's a word mm-hmm. As the property deal would have built a rival supermarket, but Skinner has an alibi. So a couple other murders there of Tim Messenger, um, who is the editor of the local paper, which is which, as long as he's the editor, has just been riddled with uh, tabloid journalism and errors, like mm-hmm. spelling errors, like obvious spelling errors. Um, so he's really not too well looked upon. Town and Leslie Tiller, she was uh, go, going to leave because she found out her land was worth like triple what she thought it was. So she mm-hmm. was going to go to a, a, a neighboring village and, you know, and, and make herself a good amount of money. But she's off before any of that can take place. Well, Nicholas actually sees a murder happen for a change, as opposed to just kind of speculation at this point. And uh, gives, gives some chase, a, a pretty good chase at that for, for, for this movie. Um, but he gets away and then automatically assumes it's uh it's Timothy Dalton, Simon Skinner. They go, you know, he's you know, he runs off this whole the, the, this whole list of the reasons, and then he's like, <laughs> it's like you watch too many movies, I'm like, uh, he hasn't my head all. All right, go in here. Angel is attacked in his hotel room by one of Skinner's employees, Michael Lurch Armstrong. Angel knocks him out and learns of a secret neighborhood watch alliance meeting at Sanford Castle. Angel confronts the NWA, led by Frank, who reveals they carried out the murder, stages accidents for various petty reasons, as each victim supposedly threatens Sanford's chances of winning Village of the Year. 
Frank's motive is his late wife, Irene, had put everything into helping Sanford win the first village of the year, but travelers ruined their chances the night before the judges arrived, dr driving her to suicide. Angel flees and falls into the castle's catacombs where he finds corpses of the NWA's other victims. Danny appears and fakes killing Angel. Pretending to dispose of the body, Danny drives Angel away and urges him to return to London for his own safety. At a petrol station, Angel sees a rack of films he and Danny bonded over and decides to return to Sanford. So, obviously, Angel is on to the goings-on in town, so they're going to have him disposed by having him being killed by, uh, by a, a, a giant man with a small, uh, who's... A small learning. penis. <laughs> he has some learning disabilities, uh, which mm -hmm. is learned. Uh, current, current TV watchers would know him as the hound from game of thrones mm -hmm. so there's that just picture him with long hair and a beard and you yep. got it you got it um you know small scuffle angel knocks him out and goes and then he kind of confronts the interview who are sitting there they're all cloaked figures where it's all one killer where, mm -hmm. or, or, not, or, or there's multiple killers not just not just one he kind of pieces it all together and martin blow was killed because he's a bad actor Eve Draper was killed because she has a very annoying laugh. Tim Messenger because of the errors in the paper. And Lizzie Tiller because she was going to leave town. And they couldn't have her sharing her horticultural expertise with uh, with those heathens over at Beerford Abbey. Mm -hmm. So um, he plans on arresting all of them. That's when Frank shows up and, you know, he's wearing a, like an old like Bobby policeman get up with a cloak and for no reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks good. Like uh, Jim Broadbent really kind of, he almost steals the show with his performance. At the same yeah, time. I Not agree. Tim eating up scenery every time he's on it, but that's, oh, yeah. man, what are you really going to do there? Uh -huh. um, you know, and he, you know, he points out that his wife, you know, spent so much devotion into making the village, the village of the year. And then, uh, you know, travelers essentially being like circus folk, probably gypsies, and stuff like that you know so that's why they're that's why they have this whole thing of just trying to keep the keep the village perfect because you know they, they say it's the village of the year it's like well we are the best village so why not the uh -huh. village of the year so that's why there's there's no murders but there's all accidents designed to weed out the undesirables in town that's when he finds the corpses of those travelers and everybody else that he kind of arrested so like the kids that were in the bar are under there the shoplifter from the the supermarket the living statue who is still like in statue position mm -hmm. uh, and and uh angel's predecessor sergeant popwell which i think that's actually a reference to um to dirty harry is it because i think that was i think um albert popwell i think was one of the actors who was in i think like the first four dirty harry movies or he was a character mm. but i believe that's a dirty harry reference okay I haven't seen. It's been a few years since I've seen Dirty Harry. So I've seen like two Dirty Harry movies in my lifetime, and none of them mm. were the. First one, so nothing makes sense. <laughs> the next day, Angel arms himself with the confiscated guns. He and Danny engage in a shootout with the NWA. When Frank brings out and orders the other officers to arrest them, Angel and Danny convince them that Frank is the culprit. Frank flees, and the officers besiege the supermarket with Skinner fleeing in a car with Frank. 
after a car chase, Angel corners Skinner at Sanford's model village, and Skinner is impaled through the jaw by a miniature church steeple. Mm -hmm. Frank, after briefly holding Danny hostage, attempts to escape in Angel's car, but is attacked by a missing swan that Angel and Danny had recaptured earlier. The <laughs> <laughs> swan escapes, and uh, and an Angel thinks it's a uh, prank call by somebody named Piss Taker. Mm -hmm. That's like turns out it's a thing. He's getting the description. He's like. Did I mention it's a swan? Um, yeah, when he shows back up with the guns, he just starts taking everybody out one by one. <clears> yeah, it's, <throat> like it's, it's pure action and I, and I love it. But it's done so well. It's fantastic. He doesn't even kill him. Like, nobody dies in this movie from him no. shooting them. Like they're all essentially survived to, to, to be arrested. And uh <laughs> Probably of that part, my favorite part is when after he's gunning people down, the priest comes out, Reverend Shooter comes out, and he's telling him to mm -hmm. stop stop all this mindless violence. But he has the guns hidden in his sleeves. And, shoots, and then Danny, <laughs> Danny shoots him, and he falls down, and he just yells out, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, that Reverend, good friend of yours, Paul Freeman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, close, local... close, close friends. Oh. What did you say? Close friends. Yeah. The locals call him Belosh. Belloc. Mm -hmm. Belloc. <laughs> it works. It just works. It just works. Mm -hmm. Then uh, in the bar, the they convince the other the other officers they know, you know that, that Frank has corrupted the whole town. Um, and they're like, yeah, th this makes sense. So they end up going to the store, you know, running through, Skinner escapes, and they have a a little bit of a scuffle there at the model village between Angel and Skinner, to which I told I was watching this with Amy. Mm -hmm. um, she came home when I was halfway through watching, and during her fight, I kind of I looked at her. I'm like, you know, this is this is like the James Bond universe versus the Mission Impossible universe. Mm -hmm. Simon Pegg is, you know, he's he's been in every Mission Impossible movie since Part Three, mm -hmm. and Dalton obviously has been James Bond in the in, in two very great movies. Mm -hmm. so it's, two great movies and a great game. And oh yeah, the the, the duel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get it, I get it. And after that one, <clears> he, gets, he gets impaled with jaw. Amy, I was like, wouldn't that kill him? She's like, why? It just went through the bottom of his jaw. I was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I guess you're right. And Danny and Frank uh, <laughs> reenact that scene from Point Break. Where Danny can't shoot him, so he just fires his gun into the air while mm -hmm. screaming, ah. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Angel's former superiors arrive and ask him to return to London as the crime rate has risen heavily in his absence, but Angel decides to remain in Sanford. While the Sanford police are going over the paperwork of the arrest, the elderly Tom Weaver, the last NWA member, bursts into the station wielding a blunderbuss, which I always thought that word was fake. I didn't even know that was a thing. That was just a musket he had. He shoots an angel, but Danny jumps in front. In the resulting struggle, Weaver accidentally activates the sea mine, killing himself and destroying the station. Uh, that's your favorite part because when he gets hit in the head with the uh, with the trash can, he yells, "You cheeky fucker!" You yelled out on a pretty consistent basis. I do, but that's not my favorite part of the movie. No, but that's weird. <laughs> I do, I do say that a lot, though. Yeah, it's like I feel like if, if this movie would have came out like ten years prior, Tom Weaver would have been played by Donald Pleasance because he kind of looks like him. 
Maybe. Yeah, I can I see mean, that. Except for ten years, ten years prior, Donald Pleasance was dead. Oh yeah, he'd still be. Yeah, he was still dead. <laughs> All right, fifteen years prior. But then, if it came out fifteen years prior, there wouldn't be anything to reference because his movies wouldn't have been out yet. One year later, Angel has been promoted to inspector and head of the Sanford Police, and Danny a sergeant. After visiting Irene's grave, the two drive off to the next crime scene, where the little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Finn. 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 Dean. Yeah. Favorite scene. Uh it's it's when Timothy Dalton they meet Timothy Dalton and he should stand in front of his own picture. <laughs> oh yeah, when they're accusing him of the murders mm-hmm. and he yeah. throws him feel free to spool through and he's just standing right next to his picture I, and they make a same face. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I slashed these prices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop by and see me some stop by and see me sometime. My dear, my special a criminal. Catch me later. He's basically telling him from the jump, I'm a criminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we all think it's just, you know, it, it's all double entendre. It's like, no, he's literally telling him he's a criminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. Um I think my favorite scene is is when he is when he shows up in town on the horse. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just kind of staring at him. And then he gets down, he's got the toothpick in his mouth and spits out and he's like mourning. And then everything just kind of starts. But right before that, after he gets all the guns at the police station and nobody sees him except for the guy working at the desk, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, that's I didn't know we had a mounted division. And then the, like his twin shows up, which the entire movie, we just assume that they're the same person, but just that the day goes on, it's month, gets all mussy. It's like, no, nope, they're just two different people. Uh, do you have a least favorite scene? I don't. Do you? I don't think this movie has one, to be honest with you. I mean, I think it's all like it's all there. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could take anything out and then have this movie still. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What do you give it out of 10? I give it a nine. I was thinking the same, actually. I pro- I, I would have probably given this a 10 um, if because we really only see kind of just to make the, like the main cast of Nicholas, Danny, Frank, um, and like Simon Skinner. Like a lot of the other characters really aren't fleshed out. It's really just, I mean, it, it doesn't take anything away from it, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if there's a little more with the characters, I probably, probably would have liked a little better. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I love this movie. I, I This is extremely enjoyable. I love all the, I love all the reference to the, uh, to the buddy cop movies that we have grown up watching, it's, sure. it's, it's fantastic. It's 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 a massive love letter to that industry, which, to be honest, kind of seems like it's dead in the water at this point. Would you say, like the buddy cop film? Yeah, I probably would say so. Unfortunately, I mean, there really hasn't been one, and no one's no one's tried making like a new like another buddy cop movie. I think the last one might have been the other guys. With Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, yeah, I still want this. I want the uh, spinoff to that where it's Sam Jackson and The Rock. I want the spinoff of that where it's just Keaton's character working at Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I. So uh, I just so I just got right. confirmation while we were doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric and I did see these in theater. Did did see this in theaters? Okay, I just could not remember. 
Cool. So, Very so, cool. All right, so I saw some theaters twice then. All right. Bravo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, have anything, do you have anything more to add on this? No, no, I don't. I love the the I, I love all the collaborations with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I think they work. Mm. I, I think I think those two guys work amazingly well together. I'm a fan of Simon Pegg. I mean, I think he's kind of arrogant um, in some of the stuff he said in interviews, but um, about like Star Wars and Star Trek and shit like that. But I overall enjoy his his work. Have you seen Paul? Yes, with the alien. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. I mean, Paul is like the sci-fi version of this movie, where it's just mm-hmm. it's a letter to the to, to this industry. So it's, I mean, even even Shaun of the Dead is you know is is like that with zombie movies, and The World's End is is kind of like that low level on the sci-fi level as well, like mm. with a, like apocalyptic type movies. Like it's like all all their stuff is really good. I like. Uh, I'm a big fan. I like to see. Yeah. I like to see. I like to see them do a little more. Maybe, yeah, do, another, maybe do another Cornetto trilogy. Good. Yeah, definitely. You'd, have my, you'd have my money. I'll tell yeah. you that much. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I think that wraps up Hot Fuzz for today, George. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um. I yeah. I have I have nothing else to add to to the review or even the show really. Um. I will say. Um. Coming this weekend. Um, we'll be reviewing uh, Daredevil, uh, the Ben Affleck the movie. movie, not the show. Yeah. The- um, and hey, listen, I I've always enjoyed this movie. It, it's not perfect, but I overall I've always enjoyed this movie. I think Ben Affleck was a really good Matt Murdock Daredevil. I thought Colin Farrell was a really good Bullseye, and I thought uh, Michael Clark Duncan was a great Kingpin. Um, and that made that enough makes me like the movie. So um, we'll talk about that this weekend of what I don't like about the movie. I'm pretty sure George is the same dislike. So um, looking forward to that. Uh, great show today. Um, again, everybody, because uh, I'm going to post this. Obviously, you're listening to this. I posted already, but I'm posting it right after we're done recording. Um, if you want to listen to our tribute to Scott Hall tonight, uh, or tomorrow, whenever Chris posts that, keep an eye out for the hot tag. Um, and uh, I believe Big Geek Energy, we're going to take a week off to kind of plan things out for the next few months to kind of uh, be on a schedule because we're we're very planned out on the multiverse. Um, Station Number Seven, we're we're going to try to come back really really soon. I know we were talking about doing that, so I think we're gonna maybe we'll shoot for next week to try to get that episode recorded and out. Um, because I think we're gonna we were talking about reviewing tomorrow never dies last last we talked that's kind of we had penciled in so um, but we'll get there we'll get there for everybody uh, George anything any final words uh, final thing that I, I I forgot about it and I can't believe I forgot about it a mm. uh, also a, a big rest in peace to William Hurt who passed away mm. yes yes oh. the legendary oh man that would that yeah. sucked yeah I mean yeah it's it, a shame. It, it, it's a shame because it means we'll probably never get um, we we probably won't get Red Hulk now in yeah. the uh, in the you know, because that was supposed yeah. to be Thunderbolt Ross, which yeah. is who he played. Um, but uh, another we'll to, never get uh, that sequel to Body Heat. Nope, no. Well, I don't <laughs> think Body Heat would have had a sequel anyway. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> More Body Heat. Mm-hmm. Double the body, double the heat, especially Captain Turner. 
<laughs> Double the body part. Triple the body. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, so, yeah, he was another another great actor. Four Academy Award winning actor. Academy yeah. Award winning, four time nominee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not just Thunderbolt Ross, but mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Body Heat, Broadcast News, Children of a Lesser Guide. Mm -hmm. um, Lost in Space. I like that movie. What Lost in Space? Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that movie. I, I mean, it's not great, but I enjoyed it. And there's also there's also a contingency of people who like the village. Um, mm. That I'm that I'm not Shyamala, Shyamalan. I don't. Movie. I don't. I don't dislike it. I, I think it was. I, I think I thought it was alright. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a big one for the acting world because he's a, mm. you know, a a real gentleman's actor and well liked by everybody. Nobody had mm -hmm. a sour word to say about him. I also didn't realize he was kind of he was battling cancer for probably about six years is that what it was because he looked really skinny uh in some of the scenes that they had filmed him for black widow mm -hmm. wow that's a shame that's a damn shame um so i also kind of hate to say this i forgot he doesn't look like thunderbolt ross like i i, I like well no i like because when i was googling pictures to put it up on the instagram page i was like oh yeah he actually was had like thinning hair and didn't always have a mustache. <laughs> I had completely forgot that he didn't look like Thunderbolt Ross in real life. Maybe, maybe what this will do is open up the door to have uh, to have Sam Elliott come back as Thunderbolt Ross since he was Thunderbolt Ross in the 2003 Hulk movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was he was a good Thunderbolt Ross, but that movie was terrible. Yeah. So, but yes, definitely rest in peace to to the great the great William Hurt. So, um. I don't think I have anything else to add. Um, keep a keep a weather eye on the horizon, everybody. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I've been Dean Holtzapple. I'm still George Rogers, and we will see you in the multiverse. Mm -hmm.